Hello, everyone, and welcome to BXB's Bits and Bobs, episode 45. Uh, it's not all going to be about God of War, but a large portion of it probably will be. We have played some other games, but that's mostly it. But today, there's just two of us. It's uh, myself, your host, uh, Ben, EIC of BXB Games. With me today, reviews editor, illustrious Richard. Illustrious this week. I'm liking Illustri the upgrade. Hello. Yeah, what, was, what, were you, what were you last time? I don't remember. Um, I think I was nothing. Not even worthy of comment. That's harsh. Well, hopefully you won't like drop out a lot because yeah. <laughs> that was a thing on the last episode. Yeah, uh, it's Which... been stable so far since then. Okay. I, I'm blaming you, actually, because it well, hasn't with anything else. It, like BXB tech support almost. You know, we're yeah. here to here to find out if you have Internet problems. I mean, yeah, thankfully I had Joel with me that time. If you drop out this time, it's just going to be me sort of vamping by myself, which will be more of a challenge. Um, but it, you're up to that. I, I could do it, but it's much, much more fun to talk video games with someone else than it is to uh, just do it by yourself. I thought for a minute I was going to have to go solo because I thought you weren't going to be able to make it either. Um, Joel's on holiday at the moment. Joel's on the first of three holidays that he's doing back to back because Joel is a jet setting motherfucker. Uh, mm. I can tell you that much. He's going, he's going, I can't remember. He's got, he's got a thing with the family. He's got a thing with mates. And then he's going to meet uh, one of my mates, we mutual friend uh, for the Transformers convention um, somewhere in the Birmingham area. Um, yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't get when, when you say jet setter. Hmm. Well, oh. the, the other ones are abroad. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm not, I, mean, I don't know. After Cybertron, doesn't that count as jet set? I mean, I so. that's, that's fairly uh, intergalactic traveler. I mean, yeah, Transformers was was never my, was it ever your thing? I never, I, I it's a bit of a foreign language to me. Yeah. I oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Michael Bay has dissuaded me of that notion, though. I'm, I've recovered. So I'll tell you a funny story about that. I don't know if I've ever told you this before. So uh, I, I, as everybody knows, I work in a certain field, which means I come across lots of geeks on a regular basis. And one of these geeks was very, very, very uh, proud of his full Transformers chest tattoo to the point where he decided to lift up his shirt and show it to me uh, of his favorite, favorite character. And it happened to be Bumblebee. But the problem was it was Michael Bay's Bumblebee. Uh, so I kind of just went, oh, oh yeah, all right, all right, cool, 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 like that. You know, when you when you feel like that person's made a life choice there with a permanent, permanent tattoo. I, I'm talking the whole chest, torso, the thing, giant oh, bumblebee from the trans Michael Bay Transformers movies. Uh, that's a bold choice. Certainly a Long unique choice. choice. I suspect yeah. there's not many of those in existence. No. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's my that's my major Transformers anecdote for the day. I think I think that's enough when it comes to Transformers anecdote. How you doing, Richard? Anyway, how's things? I mean, obviously, if people are watching, they can see your your manliness has increased tenfold recently. Yeah, I'm rocking a beard for anyone that can't see me, and um... it's good. It's early days, but it's coming on. This is yeah. inspired by God of War, which we'll be talking about today. That little game, yeah. That game that some people have played. That little indie game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I played that. Saw Kratos with his bald head beard. Thought, I'm halfway there. I've got a bald head. Let's complete this. And uh, here we are. So uh, there, there was a time when I had uh, I shaved my head down like grade one. 
right? Really, really, really short and had a big bushy beard. I didn't look like Kratos. I looked like Max Payne from Max Payne 3. <laughs> Good. That's um if I'd worn a tropical shirt, a kind of Hawaiian yeah. shirt, I would have looked like I was gonna murder people. Like <laughs> that's cool. That was yeah. it. I like that. The I wife, like the wife less so. <laughs> she wasn't she didn't like that. I, I, yeah, she's yeah, didn't didn't go down that well. I mean, what you reminded me of, I can't we won't talk about it too much, is is Steve Rogers from uh, Infinity War. I think the most handsome beard uh, that's going today, uh, absolutely anywhere, bar none, absolutely rocking it. But sadly, I was really looking forward to talking about Avengers. I thought, ah, <laughs> oh, Richard always goes to cinema. He'll have seen it. He'd have seen it in the first week. No worries. Definitely good to talk about that. I mean, I made a point yeah. of going to see it when I was on fucking holiday in Wales. But you know, I know Richard has gone. No, he hasn't seen it yet. So I can't well, even. Well, I would have done. I've had a busy week at work. Um, this weekend, it was almost a lock to see that film, but then Sarah informed me, that's the wife for anyone who doesn't know, mm. informed me that she's working every single day. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, all the days I had off, she's in work. So nothing I can do. And yeah, she's not even happens. working like regular hours. It's like 7 a.m. till 8 p.m. every Ooh. day. Damn, that's but, a long, that's a long day. Yeah, so I can't really watch it until... She's got a day off. Maybe well, you'll day. have a grand time, sir. I promise. Looking uh, forward to it. Uh, I tell you now, five stars from me. Like, Good. unequivocally, five stars. Um, right up is there. there. Is it not um, suffering from a bit of familiarity? Is no, unlike... For Marvel yes. Movies? No, I've had issue with that with Thor, Ragnarok. Like, I enjoyed Thor, but it felt a bit like I'd seen it a bit before. Same with Black Panther. I really enjoyed it, but there was no wow factor. This is... Uh, put it this way, I had an actual physical reaction to this film. I, I came out because I'd been sat like on the edge of my seat, like completely uh, just engrossed. I came out with the most thumping headache. Like, oh. like I don't normally, uh, you know, that's not a pleasant reaction, don't get me wrong. But it was purely from the intensity and like how hardcore this movie is. Like I was really impressed with how much they go for it in this. Trying to be very vague um but it no it's it's really really good uh i can't wait to see part two and now i'm kind of like what it's done is it's got me excited for like things like ant-man and the wasp which i didn't really care about and now you know i'm really looking forward to seeing that and stuff and i'm really looking forward to captain marvel that started next year and things like that so mm. now it's got me hyped again it's brought back the excitement for the marvel films they've done a great job there really 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 works very very well uh i i could tell you <laughs> i could tell you i i watched um i've watched a very important piece of cinema uh, over the last few days, Richard, it was a sequel to a film I thought we were never going to get. Uh, I watched Deep Blue Sea Two. Now, Deep Blue Sea—that's the film where Smart Sharks. Is it smart? I don't. I don't know if I've seen Deep it. Blue Deep Blue Sea is Smart Sharks. So I it's scientists that. experimenting on sharks, uh, making these bull sharks super smart um, and like way more dangerous because of it, and hating humans. Uh, okay. That's that was the original Deep Blue Sea Two. Deep Blue Sea, no Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea Two. You don't need to see it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> don't. It's it's like Deep Blue Sea wasn't made with a lot of money, but there were people in it you recognised. You know, Thomas Jane, uh, LL Cool J, Sam Jackson. You know, actors like there's no one in the sequel. Like it's hmm. it's sci-fi TV show budget, like Asylum level like it's really bad um so just don't Where i mean i i i uh randomly tried out a, what was it called now i can't remember a different 
a, a streaming service that I'd not heard of before. Um, on my TV, there was like an app. And when, when you first signed up for it, I got a free rental. Oh, okay. Um, so I was like, oh, fucking Deep Blue Sea 2, it just come out. And I was like, I have fond memories of it as when I was a kid of enjoying the original. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll check that out. And it, it's not worth it. <laughs> I wasted my free rental. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, I can't remember what this fucking... Yeah, that, that the... is an old movie. Why, is, why have they brought out a sequel now? I I don't With know. Nobody. No, it it doesn't make a great deal of sense as to why it exists or how it got greenlit or, or funded or anything, really. But I, I, it's a very strange movie and not a very good one. Um, but there's been a lot of weird sequels. I watched Beyond Skyline as well. Do you remember Skyline? No. Right. Skyline. Skyline was an alien invasion movie from, again, about like 10 years ago, in which the main concept was these blue lights that attracted people towards them. And then it was this kind of all set in L.A. It came out around the time of Battle for Los Angeles as well. Um, and, oh, and, it, yeah. and it was just like an alien abduction, you know, alien invasion, big negative ending. And yeah, randomly got a sequel as well. Uh, and actually, this was pretty good. It expanded upon the mythos and the universe and the ideas of it. It's weird. It's a very strangely bitty movie that doesn't make a great deal of sense in places. But it, that had a couple of people I sort of recognized. It has like half the cast of the raid in it, Richard. Because at one point they set like the whole third act in like Thailand. Uh, oh. So the main character from the raid shows up doing kung fu shit, fighting aliens, as does the mad dog, you know, the bad guy character from the raid. Like he's in yeah. there because they're all mates. They all they always work together, those people. Uh, and I don't know how they got them, but like they're very good with the kung fu, you know, kicky, punchy shit. But it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense when you're fighting space aliens. But, you know, it, the effects are pretty good. And it's also mm. um, that guy from the Purge films and who was Crossbones in the Marvel Universe. Uh, I don't know if you remember that guy. Um, Purge 2 and 3, kind of gruff, action-y dude. Does it well. Got a good physical presence. Couldn't tell you his name. Um, I don't know who you mean. Yeah, he's got a funny name. I can't... I, I, I'm kicking myself because I normally remember this guy. But, yeah, and he's and he's the lead and stuff. But, uh, yeah, strange, strange, but enjoyably strange. I mean, uh, you, you've been... Have you, I mean, we're doing... This is our... What I will now call, like, our streaming segment, I guess, because this is... We talk about so much stuff like this now every every week. What have you been uh, catching up with? What have you been watching? I've watched Lost in Space. I haven't had a chance yet. Was it good? Um, yes and no. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're going into Lost in Space looking for scientific accuracy and no plot holes, then you're probably in the wrong place. Lost in Space... Um, as a lot of people will know, is based on the, was it 50s, 60s TV show? I think it's earlier than that, isn't it? Uh, it was in black. Was it 50s white, or 60s? So... I thought, I can't remember. It's definitely wouldn't be 60s. I think it was 50s. I think it went yeah. from black and white into colour. So it's probably okay. like 50s into 60s. And um, no, I thought it was that amazing Matt LeBlanc movie from the 90s. I mean, I thought that's what it was based I, I've on. I've forgotten that existed. <laughs> Gary Oldman. Matt Le Gary Oldman's the bad guy. Kill, yeah. like just chewing scenery uh and there's a bunch of other people in it but i, I just remember them because it was joey from friends in a film i yeah. think while well, friends was still being yeah, made still he made playing. it on the break yeah yeah, yeah so, that's weird i'd forgotten that existed oh no it's, it's pretty bad yeah but um yeah if you want a sort of hokey science fiction bunkum series that's about a robot befriending a kid and you know the what the family do with uh, different challenges on this 
um, sort of distant planet that they've crash landed on. It's all right. It's a bit of fun. It's fine. Nothing incredible. But um, if you remember Lost in Space, it's a worthwhile update. It's all right. Not bad. Did, did you get through to the end of it? Yeah, watched it all. Huh? Cool. How many? How many apps? 10, 13, something like that? There are 10. Okay. And um, it looks like they're setting it up for more. So it's got the usual cast in there. They've turned Dr. Smith into a woman this time. Um, did you watch the original series? Yeah. like I mean, as somebody deeply versed in sci-fi, I've probably read more about it than I've actually watched it. Yeah. Um, but I am very much aware of its impact, put it that way, and how it was a cultural phenomenon for a moment there. Yeah, before Star Trek and stuff like that. Um, so yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm definitely aware of it and stuff. But now I, it's um, it's a concept the wife doesn't of. So I've therefore not been able to uh, persuade for some joint watching time, as you know how it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I will, however, recommend two other shows. Uh, the Terror. Have you heard of The Terror? no right the terror is amc's new thing the guys have brought us breaking bad and walking dead and a bunch of other sort of like uh big sort of headline uh american sort of tv dramas and it's set in i believe it's the late 1800s and it's about two top of the line ships from that time and their crews who were trying to forge a passage through the Antarctic waterways, so the Northwest oh. Passage and stuff like that. However, yeah. the it's not just a docudrama, uh, because what happens, these two ships, one of which was called the Terror, hence the name, uh, went on this mission and they never came back. They completely disappeared. Nobody to this day knows what happened to them. So this is a fictional um, extrapolation with some definite supernatural -y kind of weird twisted dark elements to it uh, about what happened to those to those crews um up there in the desolate ice wastes as the when all the water was freezing around them and what you know what went down and at the moment i mean i'm two episodes in and uh, it's just very very atmospheric clearly lots of money has been spent on the sets yeah. Uh, and it's great, great cast. You'd recognize like everybody in it, though. Lots of British actors. Don't ask me to again to, to name names because I'm bad at that. But um, really compelling stuff. Like it's on it's on a weird channel. It's on like I think it's part of the BT TV subscription thing. It's on the AMC channel itself, though. I think that's also available through other providers. But it can be a bit difficult to work out when things are on that. But um, no, from, from watching it, I've really, really enjoyed that. Actually, it's been really, really, really good. That's um, interesting. That's no, like I enjoy that. It's different, you know. Uh, it's it's, it's period because I don't have BT. I'm gonna have to mm. see where I can get it. Yeah, it might be tricky. It might be a wait for a streaming service or box set yeah. situation on that one. Uh, and the other one was Marvel's Runaways, which right. Well, uh, this is this was a Hulu made tv show adapting a the comic book series uh runaways from marvel uh which was originally written by brian k vaughan which is one of the biggest names in comics um working today uh but also at one point there was a run of them written by joss whedon when he was still oh. writing comics as well so there's a real there's a real sort of pedigree to them and i was i remember reading them when i was first getting into comics like a decade plus ago it's really quite old and uh, it was a really interesting concept of so there's this group of like teenagers and they find out their parents are in this like cabal working together as supervillains. Mm -hmm. And then it's about them running away, dealing with their heritage, fighting them, twists and turns and discovering their own abilities and their own powers and stuff like that. And what impressed me with this show 
is that while I don't think it was made on the biggest budget, it is incredibly faithful to the comic. Like they're doing a, a bang up job, you know, with the casting and the writing and it feels very authentic and at the same time modern and enjoyable and accessible. Now, I was quite, I've been quite impressed with that. Again, I've watched a, a couple of episodes of it so far and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool if you're in the mood for something Marvel. Uh, that is being shown on, uh, I think again, it's a random channel. I can't remember what it was. Where am I seeing that? Because it was originally on Hulu, but there's now UK broadcasting. I think it's sci-fi actually that's showing it now I think about it. Yeah, I think it's sci-fi. Okay. Uh, so most people should be able to watch that if they have a cable or satellite provider. Um, and you watch The Expanse, don't you, Richard? No, I, you've recommended it to me a, set, a few okay. times, and um, I've. You should, I mean, tried. you would. You know, you mentioned like Lost in Spaces, yeah. bubble bubblegum, not sci-fi accurate, necessarily well thought out action stuff. The Expanse is the kind of opposite of that. It's very. It feels very authentic. It feels yeah. very well researched. Uh, and I'm about I'm up to date now with the new series. And um, it's a bit strange because the way they're adapting The Expanse, because it's based on a series of books, mm -hmm. isn't necessarily one season is one book. Most of the seasons seem to end about halfway through. And what I've noticed with the season three is that while it's still good and continuing, because it's a sort of starts halfway through the second book, it doesn't have a huge amount of like, plot driving impetus mm -hmm. at the start of the season i'm four episodes in and there's like you know wars breaking out and, and stuff like that but the characters feel a little bit like the main characters that we've grown to know over the previous two seasons feel a little bit like they're waiting for the next big thing to happen to them to to move them along um and that's because of how they're adapting the story which which is a bit strange but i know you know you can tell something's about to happen but like and it's still very good and, and very well made and very well performed it's just it fit i feel like it needs something to kick it in the ass to get it going a little bit um otherwise it could just become more of the same but still very 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 enjoyable and richard you really you really should check that out like big time i'll have to watch it on my own because sarah hated it i think um just too slow my, to start with i think so yeah my view of it was colored by every three minutes this is crap this is crap <laughs> in my left ear. So I'll try it again on my own. It's Let's it's the it one that annoys me is when they give you the look and, you, and you're and you like, oh, God, she's clearly not enjoying this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get it in the ear later about how I've wasted her time watching that crap. Oh, fucking, I'll just turn it off and watch it, my, watch it by myself later. What's the <laughs> point, you know? It's like whenever I try and turn, I, I really like Silicon Valley, right? My wife mm -hmm. absolutely fucking hates it. So whenever I put that on, she just gets up and leaves the room. And it's just like, <laughs> all right, okay. I guess, I guess I'll watch something else then. Cool. This, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, she finds she finds that form of humor really uncomfortable and you know not enjoyable. Um, whereas I find that it thing where you, she'll um, act as judge on what you choose, but you've got to choose. Yes. Yeah. What? One hundred percent, mate. You have to make, come up with a suggestion, <laughs> but then it's wrong. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not in the mood for that. Oh no, not that right now. And she said, "Well, why don't you pick something?" Now you're you're in charge of the TV. I cook dinner. You choose to what you want to watch. Fucking, we all every it's this modern. It's the modern problem. Trust me, it's not just me and you. I, I've spoken to other friends, and they have exactly the same problem. Like the the negotiating of what you can watch. But then the other thing I've noticed is there might be a show that she's not out like immediately interested in. But mm -hmm. if I watch a two or three episodes, she'll get hooked. And then she's yeah. like, well, why can't we binge the rest of it? Because I'm not always a fan of binging. I actually quite like watching TV in a 
fairly paced out way, you know, and, you know, ruminating on the developments and stuff. Some TV works bingeable, but other stuff I like to pace it out. And uh, yeah, she's, and then all of a sudden it's like, I want to watch the next one. I want to watch the next one. I think didn't like it. Wait, what? what? <laughs> you moaned at me when I tried to put it on. So no, it's... The opposite. if I like something, I'll watch it nonstop. I watched, um, I haven't put it in the show notes, but I watched Judd Apatow's Love on Netflix recently. Oh, right. Any good? That's the one with Gillian Jacobs from Community in it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I, I don't know if you'd like it or not, but I absolutely fell in love with it. It's three series and I watched them all in about a week. Could... Is it who is who is Silicon Valley? Is that Judd Apatow or is that Mike Judge? I always get those two mixed up. I can't I fucking remember now. But it's it's another one of those sort of guys who's famous for the for the, for the comedy serialization thing now and big films mm. and stuff like that. But yeah, you don't watch Silicon Valley, no? No, not seen it. You'd, you'd fucking as somebody who's on there up on tech, mate. You'd find that I think mm. interesting and and I find it weirdly relatable. Like, because I look at some of those characters and I see parts of myself in it, and I'm like, oh god. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, I'm not that mental, or am <laughs> I? Probably, I am. Yeah, okay. in denial. That's fine. Um, I haven't talked about my holiday yet, but I want to. I want to. So the local elections came and went. We normally yeah. we normally tell people to make sure they go out and vote, but local elections are a. So it's a more difficult one to win over, isn't it? With in people's minds. Yeah, people don't engage with politics anyway, really. But local elections are that step down from, you know, national sort of um, political events. People don't care, do they? It doesn't have any real impact, they think. But to me, they think it doesn't. But it's actually in many ways more important. (laughs) Well, and, you know, even if it's not important, if you do take that view, um. My feeling is it's a perfect way to send a message then, isn't it? With no impact, if that's what you think. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I always say to people like... the status quo, but... Yeah, yeah even, even, even it, honestly, right, since I started voting regularly, uh, I don't know, like 10, 12, something like years ago, I don't think the person I voted for has ever won. Mm. Ever. Like, but I nearly didn't go, I will admit, Richard, I nearly didn't go and vote in these local elections because I was feeling a little bit... Yeah, just massively disenfranchised with all of it right now, you know, just feeling incredibly low about where everything is. And yeah. I think a lot of people really struggling, struggling to get themselves to vote when, you know, it feels like the majority are no longer even being listened to. You know, there is a massive feeling of, well, what's the fucking point, you know? Um, but I did. I did. And, there, uh, you know, I voted one way. They didn't win, but I was super happy to see. My second choice, as it were, uh, take back the council in my area away from the Tories. So I was really happy about that. I never I didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah. Super happy, though. How did it go in your area? How, how was exactly the same? Yeah, exactly the same. So I was there for the count in Plymouth mm. this time. Um, that went on to about 3.30. Um, so counting, verifying, rechecking, lots of that. Mm-hmm. Going on. Took a long time. Um, but yeah, the outcome... I think justified um, what I was there for. Really, I was hoping for a pro-EU vote. That didn't really materialise in Plymouth as such, but nationally, that seemed to be uh, the trend. UKIP lost all of their councillors, apart from three or four. I think they lost about 120. Um, those votes went to the Tories. Um, there were big gains for Lib Dems, Greens. That's nice and Labour sort of level pegging with the Tories in a deadlock situation. But in Plymouth, Labour did win the council, 
and took it off the Tories. So, yeah. That's the result, man. That's the result. Yeah, so we both had very, I think, very positive results in our in our respective areas. It was great to see the Lib Dems take it here because um, Cambridge showed just how anti-leave uh, they were in the referendum. Mm. We were the, one of the most uh, against it in the entire country. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think having the count, you know, the council vote went very much pro-Remain uh, very, very, very strongly. Um but you know, it's committed now, isn't it? <laughs> hmm. Don't well, I don't feel there's any coming back. You never know. You never know. Uh, but yeah, it it does. It, I'm a Labour voter, and it does um sometimes hurt me. You know, doing that because of of Corbyn's stance. But I, I've discussed this in the past, and I can see where he's coming from because there is a very deep rooted socialist reason to not be a part of the EU, and it's nothing to do with immigration or um any form of racism or anything like that it's just about the devolution of powers um and i you know that's where his stance on it comes from um and i and i can respect that i used to feel the same but as i've got older i've i've swung much more for uh, you know being for european union i think it does a lot more good uh than it does bad so you know it's going to be an interesting rest of the year especially for the economy and uh, for society um and uh this is what happens when joel isn't here uh, me and richard talk about <laughs> politics so it's an exciting video game podcast you're having right now guys but i always put i always put in the top of the description for this podcast we will talk about whatever we damn well please so just a chat you're free to listen just a chat like. or you can fuck off i don't <laughs> mind seriously if you vote tory fuck off um some of them are nice actually Tom Arnos. Yes. I mean, for example, we I've got a local, my local Tory MP, uh, Heidi Allen, is mm-hmm. one of the nicest conservatives I've ever met. And mm-hmm. she actually has some very moderate uh, stances. Uh, yeah. You know, she was one of the ones that crossed the floor uh, and stuff like that. She's she's really good. She's really, really good. And because you can tell them, you can tell, you can see a politician. When you see politicians, they're the ones that are doing it because they care and they want to help and they want to make things better. And then they're the ones that are doing it because it's an easy job and it makes easy money for them and they like the power. And mm-hmm. and she's definitely the former. The, the problem is so many conservatives are the latter. Uh, and that makes that give that tars the whole party with that because the ideas a lot of the ideas in, in conservatism aren't necessarily negative it's no, just that not. they've been taken that way by the type of people that have been drawn to that party mm-hmm. um you know so yeah it's it's well, it's, it's, it's bullshit the underlying concept of what they want to achieve it's not bad uh, but the way they go about it sometimes, yeah. Right. And that's why politics is hard, man. That is why politics is hard, and that is exactly why people have problems grasping it and caring about it because the goalposts and the, and the lines constantly shift, mm-hmm. constantly shift. And it's like it's like you need to dedicate a full full time job just to understand it and know what's going on on a daily basis, you know. And who has the time to do that? And we can't trust the media. So what's <laughs> so what's, what do you do? You just you just hope you're putting the right cross in the right box, I guess. Uh, if you went out and voted, thank you. You know, honestly, always worth doing. Remember, it's a privilege. You know, it's a privilege. There are places still on this planet that do not get to do that. So right. use it. Where, where was that um, ID trial they had? Is it Bolton, somewhere like that. What happened there? I don't, I don't think I saw this. No, they, they ran a a trial where you needed photo id to be able to vote oh, i heard they were gonna trial this it didn't go well i take it 
No, there's about 4,000 people that were turned away. So, not good. Oh, shit. Why would you... I guess the, the worry is voter fraud. It is a case of you could turn up to your polling booth and you don't even need the voter card. You can just say what address you're from and then they just ask you to confirm your name. I well, guess it would be yeah. very easy to fake that if you wanted to. I guess but it like, would. But in terms of scale, 4,000 people turned away ridiculous. against a problem of 20 reported cases at the last election of alleged fraud. Ridiculous. Not worth it. We should be able to vote online. I think, you know, technology yeah. like that would be really would be beneficial. And then then you could do all those kinds of ID checks because you could have that all sorted out ahead of time and then, you know, just tick the boxes. I think a lot more people would vote then. Um, but, you know, we need to move the technology forward, I think, to help with that. Anyway, probably should move on. You put cars. Have you got a new car? Or are you just looking at cars? What's I'm happening? I'm looking at cars. I can't remember if I've mentioned that I am now driving. Yes. That... Uh, well, you mentioned to me, I don't know if everyone knows that you have a license. Yeah, everyone. I'm allowed on the roads now, so watch out. Um, but I am driving here and there. I'm being allowed to take cars for work. So I've got a rental car at the moment. Um, yeah, that's exciting. It's not very interesting podcast material, but I just wanted to say <laughs> it's cool. I feel great about it. So that's that. I, I... I still don't know how to drive. However, I feel like in the last few years, I've learned a lot more about the technology in cars because of my yeah. my love of F1. So I, I weirdly know quite a lot about cars, but mm. I don't know how to... I reckon I could probably drive relatively easily, I guess. Now, if I went to learn, I think it would be something I could grasp quite easily, but... you never tried to learn? No. Do you want to? Mm kind of feel like i should sometimes but at the same time Mate, around where weird. i live i, don't I was know. ambivalent about it as well i thought oh I've, i can't stick another decade of this because i was getting to my 40th and i thought 40 years old and i can't drive yet mm. i thought yeah, i'll just get it done and then once i passed i was like fucking hell cars are brilliant and they ain't cars great <laughs> <laughs> see i already like cars a lot i already really <laughs> like cars but um and you know i i can definitely appreciate the design and the technology that goes into them but i i don't know i don't know i'll just play four i'll just play forza man it's close enough um <laughs> uh, it's really not <laughs> <laughs> no i don't i mean there's what is it those they've had those um weird competitions haven't they over the years with video games it's like where with gran turismo and whatever like guy yeah. gets really high play and then can they transfer those skills onto the yeah, track yeah. <laughs> usually not uh i think but uh, uh, f fair enough. No, I, I, I should. The wife would like me to, definitely. Uh, but I like getting lifts everywhere, Richard. Why would I give that up? That is nice. But yeah, it's um, talking about Forza. It is scary when you get into a long journey driving yourself and you think, actually, there is no pause button now. <laughs> I'm stuck on this motorway for the next three hours. And uh, yeah, it's a weird feeling that because a, a lot of my inspiration when uh, learning to drive was from video games. So there's a lot of not bothering to brake because of Mario Kart and stuff like that. Um, be wary of transferring your existing skills, Ben. If you ever <laughs> oh, so I can't use other cars to slow myself down to make corners? No. Ah, uh, shit. Okay. Where, where's the, where's the fun the in M5? that? No. That's, no that's, just, that's just nuts. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, and then I had a holiday. I went. I went to Wales, Richard. It looks beautiful. It was, pictures. mate. It was good. It was the. I mean, the weather right now. I don't know what it's like 
down your way in Plymouth, but it's absolutely gorgeous out right now, like sunny and just yeah. beautiful and hot. However, what we had in Wales was like we were moving towards this, but instead it was uh, there was cloud, there was a little bit of rain occasionally, but it's very dramatic and like very fitting for the country I was in. I almost wouldn't want it just to be like, you know, no clouds in the sky because there's something about Wales which suits a little bit of a changeable uh, vibe. And and it was just stunning, mate. It was I, I spent some years in Wales. I grew up in Wales between the ages of about two and seven. Um, so I don't really remember it that well. Um, but the, the biggest thing coming from where I live right here in Cambridge is that it's so flat here. <laughs> it's so fucking flat and then wales is just mountains and hills everywhere it was yeah. brilliant mate um so we did some hiking and walking randomly accidentally went didn't realize to like the culinary center of wales where there's like michelin star restaurants and restaurants set up by michelin star chefs everywhere like uh-huh. so i ate i ate really fucking well i yeah. might say like incredible food down there um things i noticed like the so friendly um and i don't know how if you have you spent much time in wales yourself because it was my first time in many years so uh not for a long time but yeah i've been there a few times the weird thing i did live there briefly oh you did as well okay i think i was about one so i really don't sort of similar sort of similar that's interesting um the thing i noticed is weird because obviously it's part of the uk but at the same time, and everybody speaks English, but at the same time, it does feel like another country because, you know, there is a lot of Welsh everywhere on all the signs. And, yeah. and every everything you see has the Welsh and English translation. So it's almost like going to a, a European country that is particularly welcoming to English speakers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It does feel like you're in another country and yet it's, it's super accessible. And they were mm-hmm. really lovely people, just super, super lovely. The weird things I noticed is I didn't, <laughs> I don't know what it's like in Plymouth, but I didn't see any homeless people in Wales. Maybe they just shoot them. I don't <laughs> know what the policy is, but there was nobody begging. Uh, I have with Cambridge has a terrible problem with beggars around here who are, who are like the non-real ones, the ones that come in on the train to hit the tourists and to hit the students, right? Yeah. And they are the fucking worst, mate. Um, but there was none of that where I went and it was just lovely. The scenery was amazing and peaceful and relaxing. And, it, you know, for a, for a getaway, I went for our five year wedding anniversary with the wife and it was just, yeah, it was, it was amazing. It's amazing cottage uh, that we, we rented for the week and yeah, it was. And then, and then I went to visit some friends, Mark um, on the, on the way home. And I played my first ever Dungeons and Dragons game with Mark. <laughs> So that was a thing. I've never done D and D before, Richard. So that shocks me more than the driving thing. You've never played Dungeons and Dragons. Never, never done any <laughs> pen and paper role playing game before. Not once. That's and, and I always known I would, known I would enjoy it. Like it's clearly my kind of thing, obviously. Yes. Uh, but I've just never had that group of friends that that did it. Uh, and he ran a whole. We like did a tutorial thing. He's coming down to visit us uh, in a couple of months. We're going to run a two day long campaign like mm-hmm. that's crazy but this was like a tutorial for that creating your characters and doing a little bit of like practice i had so much fun mate i had fucking brilliant like oh my god so much fun um i it's just crazy it's a bit of acting you know a bit of video games in there as well there's you can obviously we have both played millions of video games inspired yeah. by and even using dungeons and dragons rule sets over the years yeah. and so so all of that language we'd already know you know mm-hmm. so it's like you can immediately pick it up how it works character sheets it's all taken from that um 
all take the video is just massively massively taken from that uh so it was easy for me to pick up and then i started getting in the role-playing spirit and you know talking and acting like my character would and stuff that i created and it was fucking brilliant mate if you've mm. not done it it's such a creative and fun outlet it's... i haven't done it i haven't i think you'd really enjoy it as well mate as a, as a gamer you know you like your role-playing games i reckon you'd I think love I'd be it. self-conscious about it to be honest i think i would be self-conscious Hi. why would you be self-conscious all the acting and nice yeah, but everybody's and... doing it and nobody's yeah. a professional actor the only person not doing it kind of is the dungeon master but they're but they're doing it for all the npcs yeah uh, you know so it's kind of like they're doing it as well and it's just like everybody's in the same boat i created a half human half elf called gerard uh i called him gerard because i was inspired by gerard way the lead singer of my chemical romance and i thought <laughs> i'm gonna make like this really douchey emo asshole character yeah. uh and then he kind of just became this like super non-effective guy who was just like not bothered by anything <laughs> sort of like such a dude just a real just a nihilist yeah like just didn't at one point i was trying to rescue this guy and i had to roll i had to roll for like um uh, calming him down he was all yeah. freaked out and i and i rolled and i passed it and you go my mark goes to me so what do you say to him and i just went i look i look at the guy and i go man up and that's it you know I just, and, I, and he's because i put i rolled really high he just like it passes and then he, and he mark goes oh yeah because because you seem so calm and collected and not bothered by everything he chills out <laughs> it's just like it's just that's 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 when a good dm you know when people are being creative and fun you're playing off of each other you know everybody you know they helped that obviously i'm a long time friend with the guy and stuff but you know you play it with friends you don't play it with fucking yeah. randos so you're all going to be comfortable you know in that situation and you just sort of relax into it and it is random shit happens you don't expect and you will just play off of it and so it's like it's like a video game that doesn't have constraints because all video games are bound you know they have limits don't they yeah, as to yeah. what they can do so imagine yeah, that improvisational yeah imagine a video game without limits that could mm -hmm. go anywhere you know so just whatever's in the dm's mind um it's pretty it's pretty fascinating stuff man i do i can see why it's had this resurgence of late you know because of stranger things it's become another stuff it's become much more popular of late and there's like podcasts and tv shows and all this yeah. stuff dedicated to it now um and it's so cool that it's kind of it's had this crazy uh renaissance uh you should get in on it man you should get in it you know i'm trying to i'm trying to get you to come to come do a uh our 50th podcast in person yeah yeah i'm not sure about now that, that you're driving richard you can just take the keys and go brother she can't well, stop if you. i had my own car yeah that would be true so if i've got a car by then it'd be cool if we could do that i know it's different it would be cool you're all the way down on the on the south coast so it's 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 quite a way i guess yeah but um yeah we'll, we'll talk about that when we know more um did you want to move on to video games now that we've been chatting and catching up for about 40 minutes oh mate video games they're they're yeah, a thing yeah let's talk they're about those should we talk about why we're never going to talk about detroit uh detroit become human quantic dream or um that arsehole david cage ever ever again do you want to talk about why talk we're, about we're yeah, I think this new story isn't the reason I'm not going to play Detroit, but yeah, shoot. It was it was kind of like the 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 straw that broke Camel's back for me. Like I was already on the fence with his history of what he has made previously and how he is with people um and you know there was already these allegations of 
him and and uh, Quantic Dream having a very toxic working environment. And then, so basically, the story is, and and it's shocking to me that this didn't get picked up by more outlets. I was I was expecting this to blow up. Maybe the outlets are, wait, are waiting to see where the legal stuff falls, but only Kotaku and Jason Schreier seem to report this. But basically, um, Quantic Dream are suing the French journalists that published the stories of the toxic work environment uh, that's happening at Quantic Dream. Because, you know, it's not true, is it? I mean, these, were, these weren't small, rumory you know, fan sites for all intents and purposes like us. This were these were large um national outlets that made yeah. these allegations. And I for one am not at all disinclined by them saying it didn't happen at Quantum Dream. I believe it's true. This guy's MO, the things he said in the past, the positions that the, the his games and his very much his visions have taken in these video games. I can 100% believe that it is a from some of the allegations are racism and sexism are rampant in quantity within the developer. And I believe them. And even if they're not, you don't deal with those things by sorts by suing the source of the allegations. You deal with them by investigating them. And then, you know, you either deal with them internally or you don't have to because they're not there. What right? are the specific allegations? Is there actual evidence? Um, is, there? Uh, is there actual evidence? What does that mean? Are you breaking up? So I was just saying, what, do, what does actual evidence mean? I mean, because you're not going to have a recording, are you? 95% oh. of the time. You, know, you might if, if Panorama have gone in. There might you know, be transcripts there might be tran transcripts of what i mean like these this it's it's all you Things know that, you know conversations that have been written down have inside of it in a video game developer i mean well if it's worthy of reporting you'd think someone would have a record of things i think but, no, but i think i think the the newspaper uh le monde had multiple people come to them and corroborate the allegations right before they they went to print yeah. on on the story when you're dealing with these forms of allegations you, i just don't think it's realistic i mean it's not something that's come up in a annotated hr meeting you know it's it's something that's happened in conversation off the cuff maybe in the break room maybe over someone's workstation um i think it's unreasonable to think that there would be hard evidence you you know when you're dealing with sexual harassment or racism or something like that in the workplace 99% of the time it's just going to be the word of the employee isn't it against the employer you know uh, that's and and yeah i guess but if it if it's that far removed from the actual workplace if it's sort of an incidental occurrence amongst... no I'm, t I'm talking about in at, at work these oh, things yeah, happen yeah, yeah, in Quantic Dream. Yeah. But there's things that happen in every workplace that I would see as dubious. In my workplace, there's dubious things that might go on. Um, nothing too bad. But, but um, you know, that doesn't necessarily reflect on the employer. It's just something that happens between employees. Yeah, but isn't, isn't it... Of the workplace itself. When you're talking about David Cage is the one saying these things. Mm. I mean, that's not just workplace banter. It's your top top boss 
saying inappropriate things about, for example, I think one of the uh, one of the things that they're quoted in in the Kataka article is uh, sort of racial slurs aimed at Polish people, you know, and the person was from Poland who he was talking about, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, you add that all together with the reports that we've had over the years and when you there's been multiple interviews with david cage where he said things that are a bit that you know get to get to that line you maybe cross it a little bit and you're like mm, this sounds like this is a man who i wouldn't say he's necessarily any of these things but he clearly doesn't care about his workplace you know not reflecting him and it and it's and it's just makes for a very uncomfortable place for people to work. So the interesting thing is this article isn't like going out of its way and saying, you know, oh, he's closing down, they're racist. It's just saying it's just using the word toxic work environment, right? Which means mm -hmm. which you could take a few different ways. You, uh, Richard, I'm surprised you don't think of this as something a bit more considering the the, the the problem the video game industry has been having of late with you know the the horrible environment it is for women to work in how difficult it is from some sometimes minorities to work and find you know how how the developers are churned through the the problems with crunch you know there's discussion at the moment about you know should developers unionize you know should they get more protection um look don't get me wrong i'm i'm not trying to um deflect away from or, no. or downplay uh what might be the case in this workplace and other workplaces, if there is a culture of homophobia, racism, whatever, in Quantic Dream, then absolutely that has to be addressed. And it's good that it's come out, if that's the case. All I'm saying is, if there's not really any clear evidence that that is the case, I would tread carefully. I'd, I've um, just as much of a problem with false allegations as I do with... I've just... Uh... In that way. I've got a quote I'll read from the Kataka article. Uh, the three media outlets had collaborated on this story, speaking to former employees of Quantic Dream and publishing their articles simultaneously. They listed a number of accusations against the studio, alleging that Cage and Foudemirier, apologies for that, I don't know who that is, but it's clearly a French employee, uh, created an unhealthy culture for employees. Le Monde reported that the studio... Uh, studio's management had made inappropriate sexual and racist comments, bringing up one incident where Cage reportedly saw camera surveillance of a burglary and asked a Tunisian employee if the burglar was related to him. Um, you know, so that's... Uh, in it. Yeah. The thing I have, the, the biggest problem I have with this, though, isn't so much... I mean, obviously, it's a big problem if it's true. But do you think it's right for Quantic Dream to try and sue these publications, to sue these outlets? Well, do you think that's the right the, way of dealing with, with the information that I've got? Possibly, yes, because it's damaging to them. And if there isn't really a case to answer, why wouldn't they sue them? Mm. It might but I think we're the right thing to do. I mean, yeah, if, if you're taking as read that there is an issue in Quantic Dream, then clearly that is the wrong approach to take, isn't it? You deal with the problems that you've got internally rather than sue somebody else. But if it is predominantly fictitious and you, one, one take on this could be that David Cage really cannot write very well. We know this from his work. Um, when he's making these jokes, they're clearly bad jokes. 
So whether it's a toxic working environment or just someone who isn't funny, it depends on your perspective, doesn't it? I mean, perhaps perhaps my um, judgment of this has been coloured recently by how prevalent this problem seems to have become within the industry. Uh, and I think the problem I have with this is that it's so easy for these studios because of a lack of things like unionization or um, support groups or things like that. It's so easy for these things to get swept under the rug by these developers that, you know, if you don't feel like you trust your HR department or if you feel they're completely ineffective and just going to ignore your claims, you're not going to go to them. Um, you know, you're just going to suffer in science and, and these problems become worse and worse and worse. And I hate to use the old adage, if there's smoke, there's fire. But mm -hmm. I feel like multiple allegations around the same studio to multiple publications wouldn't exist unless there was a genuine reason for them. Well, yeah, but nobody likes David Cage. He is a divisive character. Yeah, but these are people that worked there. This isn't just the media having a go, you know. Oh, I know. I, I don't mean in the media. I mean, as a character, he doesn't seem very likable, does he? No, I guess. He might be a nice guy. I don't know him. But, no, it's not. but that doesn't that doesn't that obviously doesn't excuse anything. No, it doesn't excuse I mean, anything, but it might explain why he's been targeted. You say there's no smoke without fire, there's lots of allegations. That may be a reason why people don't like him. It's easier to accuse someone you don't like. But maybe they don't like him because he's a racist, sexist piece of shit. Uh, possibly. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, you know, it goes I it goes it goes either way. I mean, but basically, um what we've decided, well, I decided this, but I'm hoping you guys agree with me is that until you know one way or another these things are sorted out um the truth comes out or the the allegations uh, the, the 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 suit is dropped I don't feel like I want to cover any of his output or him or the studio anymore on BXB Can we and we've talked about their games quite a lot in the past you know because of how you know, Joel was just talking about them the other day because he played them for the first time, didn't he? Um, but I, I think from now on, we we just we don't. Well, okay. Um, it's, it won't be a hard thing to avoid because I don't like David Cage games, regardless you... of the politics around them. I didn't even play the demo because of this shit. I know they put the Did demo out. Yeah. No, I've not. I've not bothered. Um, I think the last demo I played for, I think I played the demo for Beyond Two Souls but that wasn't very good anyway. The demo for Heavy Rain I played, and it kind of ruined the game, because you can't Wait. really... didn't ruin it, because I still enjoyed Heavy Rain, but you can't take sections out of games like this and not spoil them. It's just watch it's like watching an overlong trailer. Mm. You're taking a big chunk out of the final experience for yourself, so... It, I, I mean... Uh, it's not worth playing the demo anyway, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, goodbye, David Cage. So I think that's the last we'll talk of that. Let's talk about some games we've been playing and reviewing and stuff. I just saw you've put on the show notes Shadow of the Colossus. I purchased it because it was on sale. I have Same. yet to play it. Um, so I, made, I saw I it was a... 20 quid. I was like, go on then. Yeah. I can do 20 quid. I'll take a punt. I made a point of just doing one of the Colossi um, this evening. And I oh, bought yeah. Celeste as well, so I've done a couple of chapters of Celeste. Ooh, I like the look of that. I need to. I will pick that up. I'm waiting for it to be in like a sale or something. I don't know what platform I want to get it on. It is That's on sale. Thing. It's on sale now. On on what platform? Xbox. Ah, you see, I, I'd rather get it on Switch. Really? Mm, I think that'd be yeah. a really good on handheld. It would be. I kind of yeah. thought, well, 
Like, what's my achievements? So I've got the yeah, that's the that is the fucking the, the forever problem. Like now that now that I've I've got some sources for switch code and stuff, it's like the two things that hold me back sometimes is that um yeah achievements and can't capture video <laughs> it's yeah. like damn it yeah. <laughs> i have to write these things god yeah. damn it uh it talking would, it would be cool on switch though yeah no talking about talking about written things though talking about written things did you read my review of manticore galaxy on fire no i haven't read Watched anything it. shall it's i read fine. it you suck it's not even very long richard i don't write long reviews anymore um so man i think you write them at all why did you write this rather than uh video because it's on switch it was a switch game wasn't it oh, okay. yeah see uh, when i told richard about this i said i've got a cop i got a code for manticore galaxy on fire he went did you just make that name up because it sounds like a made-up name which i thought <laughs> was quite funny uh, and it does a bit it does sound like let's let's put some words together that sound kind of cool manticore galaxy on fire and it's like, yeah, that, 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 that does kind of work. Um, so the, the thing with this is it's a, weird, it's a weird thing they've done here. So Galaxy on Fire is a pretty long-running iOS game series, right? So this has been going for fucking donkey's years for, in iOS standards, like really quite a while from at least the, I think it was the probably the iPhone 3G was when the first one showed up. Uh, and I remember them because they were really impressive technical uh, games that were, you know, visually very very nice to look at on your phone device like impressive that they were able to do them so they're these kind of space flight combat games as you were i wouldn't call them open open world or open galaxy because they're definitely not in the same scope of say elite or no man's sky but they're, they're quite small environments that you go into and it's quite um segmented however they do look lovely and so they've brought this series over to the switch and the switch version is um at its core, a port of Galaxy on Fire 3, which I believe was Galaxy on Fire 3, colon, Manticore. So what they've done on the Switch to make it sound like it's not the third iteration of a series you've not been able to play on your Switch uh, is they've yeah. dropped the number and switched the name around. Um, yeah. And, and there, there are more changes than that. They, they've taken out sort of all the microtransaction stuff. Um, they've, they've made it so the story is a bit more linear and structured um so they've done they've done work you know they've done some really work it's a it's a very good looking game and there aren't really any other games yeah it is there aren't really any other games like this on the switch uh so it fits into a nice little niche and you know the combat feels good and you your ship flies around very nice it's very arcadey and you have lots of different weapons you can get and customize um there is a pretty awful story um but it it's surprisingly well voice acted which is kind of sort of weird that it's bad material well delivered uh you know i don't really care why we're doing this but while my gruff captain character tells me about things i'm like oh yeah okay man yeah you're all right you're good you're good i like you uh, you it's know weird maybe... that happens isn't it like yeah um, anthony hopkins in transformers you yeah can't quite decide whether it's it's good or not yeah because normally with something like this you'd expect you know some half you know a small facet of the developers who were asked in an internal email do you want to do the voices and they've come <laughs> they've come along and done the voices that this actually sounds like they've got some professionals doing it um yeah. and there's some good delivery and there's some good uh ancillary characters and you're like squad you basically ostensibly you're like a group of mercenaries a bad thing happens and you have to band together to find out why and fight the bad guys and that's pretty much the plot um and it's all broken down into these quite bite-sized easily manageable 
very um, portable, you know, very good if you're on the handheld sort of side of things, uh, missions, which you can easily just get through very, very quickly. Um, and it, I had a good time. I had a good time. This isn't, it's not doing anything new. It's not breaking any molds. However, it's a very fun, solid experience that's accessible on the Switch, which doesn't surprise me considering this was an iOS game, you know? So it had to be accessible. It had to have bite-sized missions. Um, mm. There are some weird elements where you can tell they've pulled out things like microtransactions and collectible sort of things that, you know, would that would equate in like leveling up. You, you basically just level up every couple of missions. So it doesn't seem to really do much. It just gives you more of the currency, which you obviously had to have um, grind, grinded for if you were playing it on the iOS version. And then there's also this thing where you can go into the uh, environments after you beat the mission and do like a free roam explore of it and find more collectibles of which there doesn't seem to be any actual use. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of like, you can go get these collectibles. One of three tachyon beam particle cannons. And you're like, great, what does that give me? Nothing. Cool. <laughs> Why am I doing this? The only reason to do this exploration bit is that there are these um, ship blueprints, which yeah. you can collect to unlock new ships. That's worth getting. But that's pretty much the only thing in those weird free roamy bits that I could work out. But look, I, I played it uh, almost entirely handheld, ran really nice. It looked really good. Um, it has a resolution bump when you play it docked. It goes from the 720p to the 1080p, which is kind of normal on the Switch. Um, though not all the indie games do that. Um, yeah, it's cool, man. It's cool. I think it's like 20 bucks, something like that, 15 quid. Um, and if you're looking for something a little bit different, you fancy a bit of space combat that plays, you know, very well. Looks really nice. Um, if Manticore Galaxy on Fire ago. Interesting. My... Well, we're yes. in a bit of a lull, aren't we, Switch-wise? There's not mm. much out, so, yeah. Not, well, we just had uh, the re-release of um, Donkey Kong, didn't we? Tropical Freeze. I, I'm not a big Donkey Kong fan, but I know there was a lot of people excited about that. I would like to play that, but, Christ. How much is it? 50, 50 quid? Is it? Fucking hell. It's about 50 quid. Wow. I played, um, oh, is it Donkey Kong Country? I played that on this. My, I took my SNES Mini with me on holiday. Yeah. And one, one evening, me and Leah, while we had the fire roaring uh, next to us, we sat down on the TV, plugged in the SNES Mini, and we played some Donkey Kong. And it's probably the first time I'd ever actually sat down and played properly Donkey Kong. And it and yeah, it's a platformer. Yep. You, you know how yeah. I feel about those, Richard um so, not, not a very good platformer some people would argue it is i think there's a big well. donkey kong fan base out there isn't there but uh it was it was it was fine i don't know i suspect people like the idea of it more than the actual game because that is not a good video game okay fair this fair this um but yeah so that that's come out hasn't it but i mean i'm i'm, I'm i wish i could fucking talk about it. i'm playing a very cool little switch game that i'll have a review up for on like tuesday um which is very different um when it comes to what you'd expect to see on a nintendo console and it's just very it's very indicative of how much more open they've made this platform than any of their previous that this could be a game on the switch that i believe is it's a switch exclusive or a switch and own and pc only exclusive game um oh. from a little indie developer and it's super adult <laughs> like huh. um but no i look forward to talking about that on the next show because so far it's it's pretty good um <laughs> what well i mean I, I can't say anything it's so fucking annoying i hate embargo so much rich it's so fucking stupid man let me talk about your game i like it i'll say good things 
<laughs> no, I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed. Um, I better talk about something else as well because you've only got one thing on your list, really. Um, so, <laughs> right, Battle Zone. Battle Zone. Fucking who would have thought this would be as fucking brilliant as this game is? Seriously, Good, man. I, I played it a lot on VR, which you mentioned I, in your review. But, um... I, I mentioned how jealous I was. Yeah? yeah, yeah. Like I can only imagine how cool that game must be in VR, man. Because I had Amazing. so much fun playing it on the Xbox. It yeah. was awesome i mean they could have done something so basic right so obviously battlezone is this like early 80s original battlezone early 80s vector graphics tank combat game everybody's seen battlezone you know everybody knows what it is. i loved it as a kid um and it was just fun it's still fun to, there's a classic mode is in the in this battlezone so you can sort of play that as well however this new one it's got this kind of crazy almost like roguelike hexagonal based massive story campaign it's got huge amounts of varieties in enemies and in weapons and in power-ups it's got these re it's got a great visual style fantastic music like who yeah. fucking thought i would love the music for battle zone but really really good music and it, it is perhaps a little pricey i think about 30 quid um, which is maybe a shame because I think if it was maybe five pound less, ten pound less, they'd sell so many more copies. Um, because it's a real gem. It's like a really surprisingly good um, continuation of the franchise. Like who, you know, Rebellion. I believe it was an, you know, an inside team as well, publishing it and developing it. At Rebellion. They must have picked up the license at some point. Um, and and it's flipping brill, man. Like, tell me more about the VR version. Is it just what I played, but with the awesomeness of, you know, being in VR? yeah it's the scale of it it's just of all the vr games i've played it's one of the most impressive for scale and i think it comes down to that visual design it looks like you know like um 80s and 90s representations of what vr was supposed to look it, it like. look no man it looks like the first tron yeah yeah exactly it looks like tron or something out of lawnmower man or something yeah. like that yeah. yeah like a proper um aspirational vision of vr but it's real now in your house Mm. And it just feels so awesome to play. Not even looking at outside the tank, just in the tank. It looks oh, huge yeah, and incredible. Wow, um, okay. You can get on it in VR. I, 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 when I brought the price down and stuff, I'm, I'm looking at it more and more and more every day. And it's just like, man, I would fucking love this. This is, the, this is, I think it's a shame I've kind of played it now because yeah. I think that would have been the game that would have got me to get it, you know, because it, it yeah. looks so it's so good and what i don't know why you've not been i've heard it's been out for like a year on psvr yeah. and like why have you never told me about this rich why'd you keep this secret man i've told you about battlezone I, I don't think you have i don't think we've ever talked about it on the podcast or anything i think it came up when i just got um didn't you send me a code for it i got a code no. for it somewhere. i don't think so i think you did did i think you did i think i reviewed Brilliant. so it's all is it on the site and i didn't even realize that'd be I think so well fucking funny yeah um why don't you tell I'm me about this rich gonna, this game that i sent you i'm gonna do a review for <laughs> i'm gonna do a search on the site now and if i'm if if that's the case oh fuck you did yeah <laughs> 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 november 20th 2016 right that's that's a while ago you can forgive me for forgetting that i mean jesus <laughs> What, well, let me see. Let me see what you. Uh, let me. I'm going to read your your closing, your closing power. Oh, you gave it four stars as well. So you know, a 
accurate, we are mirroring each other in our scores. Battlezone <laughs> is the clean slate that says virtual reality is finally here. Recover from its stumbles. Whatever happens as the technology develops and finds new avenues of invention, this game feels like an important milestone that embraces the best of what we hoped for yesterday and delivers it today. It really, It's really pretty simple. If you share the same dreams as me, you have to play Battlezone. Um, Wow, I can't believe pretty I, well written, isn't it? Once I was pretty, that was once nice. I've forgotten what I've written, I sound all right. That's a nice turn of phrase. Uh, what how, what was my? I'm going to read my closing uh, paragraph as well now. Then, uh, if we're uh, if we're going to do that, I bet it's not as good as yours. I usually just uh, spout bullshit. Let's have a look. Uh, oh no, I can't. I didn't have a. I didn't write this one. This was a video closing paragraph. I'm getting yeah. so used to my switch reviews now that <laughs> I uh, expect. If you, I, uh, that's amusing. I wonder if the. PR were the same people that sent your code sent mine and I acted like I had never seen it before so <laughs> <laughs> clearly they loved my enthusiasm um <laughs> that's hilarious brilliant see that's the thing now there's so much content on bxpgames.co.uk like I, <laughs> even the editor doesn't remember what's on it like that's how we roll um but yeah man I'd love to I'd love to play that in VR so much. Like you know, it would just be mind blowing. I reckon. I absolutely adored it. It was so so good. So so good. <laughs> Did you want to talk about another VR game that maybe isn't as good? No, maybe well, about it really. Do you want to talk about Operation Warcade? Because uh, I know you kind of you you touched upon it last time, but you've done the review now. I think. Yeah, I was really really disappointed by this because it's um. It's a VR version of Operation Wolf, if anyone remembers the 1980s. That was a... Uh, you made it? Tato? Someone? Sounds, sounds right, yeah. Yeah. Um, arcade game from the 1980s. One of those uh, installation arcades where you've got a mounted Uzi that vibrates a lot. It was one of the first to do that, I think. So it was kind of a, a big draw in the late 80s in arcades. And I loved it. I think there was a follow-up called Operation Thunderbolt or something like that. And I remember playing that with my dad a lot. That was a two-player one. But this is a single-player light gun shooter. And, oh, Ben's opened a bottle. Sorry. <laughs> drinking heavily this evening, I've earned yeah. it. For anyone that's not watching, Ben is drinking heavily. Um. Yeah, Operation Warcade is a VR version of uh, Operation Wolf from the 1980s. And you have a light gun. It's originally a 2D sideways scrolling shooter. So enemies appear at different depths within the background. So there's people off in the distance, people that jump up in front of you. And they're all really well drawn, lots of character. There's hostages that you have to rescue, women in bikinis, men in shorts, weirdly, in battle zones, and you're supposed to save them and shoot all the enemies around them, blow up tanks. It was really good fun in the late 80s to do that. And it had this real visceral sense of uh, damage. Everything that you shot had uh, proper explosions and recoil, and the vibration of the gun uh, just felt awesome. It was a really great experience. So... I suppose looking at it 30 years later or whatever it is, I thought, well, how can they build on that? And the, the obvious way is to put it in VR and put you in that experience. You think, well, surely that would be better. But no, it's not. There's loads of things that this game does wrong. 
um, its first misstep and its biggest misstep is to simulate the experience of playing Operation Wolf in the arcade rather than the experience of just playing Operation Wolf. So it's really weirdly framed. It's not just a game in VR where you shoot enemies. It's a game in VR where you play an arcade machine shooting enemies. And that disconnect totally breaks the experience for me. You're literally holding the light gun of, of an arcade machine and peering into the screen. And it's it's all like 3D and that. You, you've got the depth perception there that VR brings, but you're looking through the frame of a 2D screen to see that. And it just breaks the immersion completely. Um, from what So it sounds more like it's an arcade simulator. Like yeah, it exactly. simulates you being in the arcade rather than you playing Operation Wolf. That's exactly what I'm saying. What yeah. the so fuck's you... the point of that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. So you start in an arcade. You're standing in an arcade, and there's one machine that you <laughs> the can only play. game is that. <laughs> what the fuck's the point of this? I don't understand. It sounds like a developer put into loads of effort to like make an arcade simulation and then just put in Operation Wolf cabinet. Like I don't, yeah, I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense. sense. Um, That's so weird, man. Okay. Yeah, so what I wanted from it would be for you to just be in the world of Operation Wolf. Yeah, of course. Have some depth perception there so you can see these enemies, these well-characterized enemies, jumping up in front of you and have them right in your face. But you don't get any of that. Not only is it just you play an arcade, they've limited the depth of play so severely that it feels it even more shallow than a 2D game from decades ago. So no longer do you have these well-drawn uh, sprites of characters jumping up right in front of you. Um, they're all kind of on a similar plane in the distance. They don't have any features to speak of. There's no character there. It's all just faceless drones that run from left to right or right to left. You shoot them, the round ends, then you pick another one from the arcade cabinet's menu screen. And it's really, really dull. Um, even the upsides of the it's got lots of control options to its credit so you can play using dual shock you can use the move controllers or the correct way to play is obviously using the aim gun controller mm. the main benefit of the aim controller so far is how it manifests itself within the game world you can see the gun moving around in your hands as you hold it and manipulate it that's not the case here because you're literally just holding a fixed gun on an arcade machine. So you might as well just be using any other control method for all the difference it makes in game. And it, it just feels there's so many backward steps here, missed opportunities that could have built immersion rather than take it away. Um, I don't know. It might just be nostalgia, but I feel like the original was much better than this. Disappointing, man. It just seems like, it seems like the developer had a love, and I mean a love, for playing that game like you did in the arcade, yeah. and has tried to translate that rather than the game, I yeah. guess. That's a peculiar choice. Okay. It is a, a really weird choice. Mm. Um, whether they would have been up to doing the job, I don't know, but they've gone down the wrong route even trying it. So I can't recommend it, I'm afraid. Okay, um, I'll, I'll move on to one I can't particularly recommend either. Now, 
I one of my favorite publishers, right? One of my favorite publishers in the business today is an indie publisher. You know them, Richard, as well. Tiny Build, right? Yep. So they put out generally they put out games with an incredibly striking visual style. And I don't mean it's the same style, but every time they put out a game, it always has something unique about its look. You know, think of Mr. Shifty, think of the final station, you know, think of Party Hard, right? Sometimes though, the games they release are perhaps just a look. Like to me, that kind of sort of would be how I'd sum up something like Hello Neighbor, which really let me down. Uh and this new game that I want to talk about, which is Phantom Trigger. Um, it's got a great neon drenched pixel art style to it. It's absolutely awesome to look at, right? It's got yeah. a fantastic soundtrack. You know, the style is oozing off the screen. However, I just couldn't shake the feeling I'd played this game before and I'd played it in a better iteration. And that was Hyper Light Drifter, right? Mm -hmm. So this is that kind of super hard, um, top-down action game you know with like lots of like dashing and slashing and you know you've got a bit of variation in your weapons with your different on the different buttons you know sword slack or slash or like a big fist attack and it's got this sort of interesting kind of interesting story wrapper where it opens with this pixel art cutscene of you your character ostensibly or someone we don't really know if it's your character immediately um dying or collapsing not dying but collapsing in a suburban environment you know, on the kitchen floor in front of your wife and then we're in this sort of underworld situation which is a bit cyberpunk and a bit dark fantasy and it's it's creating its own mythos and its own world and it's quite an interesting rapper it's just the gameplay it's just not it wasn't that tight it wasn't that exciting and compelling i found some of the enemy does like not necessarily their look but the way they behave was just more frustrating than challenging yeah it, it was it, it it is very strong to look at and I, I there's a reason i always get very excited when i hear from the guys at tiny build about a new product and i'm or, or, or you know a project or anything and i'm always very keen to try it out because 90 percent of the time they that those guys pick you know whatever they're publishing they pick very 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 strong product but this one it just left me just wishing it was a bit more you know wishing there was more to the game than just the amazing look and i i don't have a huge amount to say about it i'll be honest with you i reviewed this uh, a few weeks back now before i went on holiday and stuff like that and already this is this is kind of indicative of the game after putting in many hours it's already slipping from the memory you know it's i remember how cool it looked i remember how cool it sounded i don't really remember a, a great deal about how much fun i had playing it do you know what i mean yeah it's a shame. It's a shame. I feel like there, there's some potential there. The developers are clearly skilled. You know, they put together a, a very um, comprehensive package. It just didn't click with me on a gameplay level. And sometimes, you know, that and that's that's art, isn't it? That it's subjective. It didn't work for me. So yeah, I just wanted to throw that one out there quickly. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to ask about it, Rich? Um, before I moved on, because otherwise I'll just get onto Masters of Anima. Um, looking, yeah. It just looks a bit dull, doesn't it? I don't even think it looks that interesting, to be honest. Sometimes some of the lighting and the neon pinks, you know, they actually described itself as a neon hardcore slasher, which is yeah. like, wow, they, they created their own genre. Good good for <laughs> them. Um, and, it, and it's, yeah, it's cool. You know, it's super cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> that's kind of all, that's all it is. 
Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll move on to Masters of Anima, which I believe is a proper gem that is getting completely and utterly overlooked. I don't think anybody's talking about this fucking game, and and it should be on more people's radar. Um, so Masters of Anima starts. You sort of start playing this, and it looks that looks like a very pretty, um, well realized sort of action RPG. That's the first yeah. vibe you get from it. But it isn't. It's actually more reminiscent of Pikmin. And I don't feel like I've played many games in that sort of controlling small squads, sort of strategy, tactical combat. Like, I don't even know what genre you'd call that. Pikmin is very much its own thing. But that's what we've got in Masters of Anima. So you don't, you can do direct combat. And you do sometimes do a little bit of that to support. But what you're mostly doing are summoning these, um, these sort of homunculi, these creatures that will come and fight for you in combat. And there are various classes in melee range, you know, various other types. I don't want to spoil as we get you get further into the game because they're quite story uh, specific. But you're yeah, you're summoning these things. You're giving them orders on the fly. You can do various. Um, you know, it's not overly complex though because it's, it's all kind, it's kind of a small scale console RTS. Sort of it's not. It's not an RTS. It's. It's. I mean, it, yeah, it's Pikmin like. You remember That's kind you, of RTS, isn't it? Would you call that an RTS? I don't, I don't think I, don't... I would call it that, but as the closest parallel, I don't know. Yeah, because RTS is the pre the problem for me is RTSs are controlled in a certain way because you're an abstracted general, aren't you? Or commander, right? You're pulled off. You're not on the battlefield, and you're yeah. selecting all the units or some of the units and moving them through direct action. Whereas in this, you're you're there as well as your character, and you know so you're maneuvering your character as well as giving orders to and regrouping, you know, the, the level of complexity of control is less than an RTS, but more than an action RPG. So it sort of sits somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, what, what, it, what it is though, is pretty much unique. You know, there's Pikmin and then there's Masters of Anima. As far as I know, I've never come across another game quite like that. I mean, sometimes, you, um, oh, actually now I think about it, what about Overlord? Do you remember Overlord on the 360? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That had elements of that, didn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's not exactly a overly saturated genre, shall we say. No, this is, quite a while ago. Yeah, we're going back, I'd say, like, what, 10 years? Something yeah. like that? Maybe 2007, something like that, um, for the Overlord games. So, yeah, it, so in, in addition to that quite unique control scheme and gameplay mechanic, which is super deep and interesting and fun to play it's a really well realized fantasy world that feels unique again another game with great voice acting like absolutely stellar voice cast i immediately liked the characters in this game the hero characters and you're it's so cool right so you're this i can't remember the guy's name because again it's been a few weeks since i played it but your character is um sort of the betrothed to the head uh wizard type chick and she's all she's like what would normally be your character so it's quite fun that you're like this pretty kind of losery kind of pretty shit dude that has to step up when she gets taken out and then obviously that that, that spurs you on on the quest and and it's uh it's a fun subversion there, there are lots of very strong characters a great mustachio twirling villain you know that you really love to hate uh fantastic art style great music really high production quality and polish like this game feels like it's from a much bigger studio and publisher than it actually is it's it's really honed um do you have any questions i'm i'm because i'm again it's been bloody weeks since i played this so i'm trying to remember uh the lesser details and stuff like that all, all i really want to say though is that 
if you're looking for like an RPG action RPG experience that's a bit different, that might challenge you in ways you don't expect, and yet will draw you in and really pull you into its story and, and with likable characters. Masters of Anima is excellent. Like what, what did you really play on? excellent? Uh, Xbox. <laughs> I want to say Xbox. <laughs> I'm sure. I think I think it was the Xbox. I'd have to bring up my review. I play. I play so many games on so many things. <laughs> um I, I believe it was let me just check because it's on yeah it's on xbox yeah on switch on xbox ah uh, yeah the switch version came out a bit later um i think it would be well let's be honest what what game wouldn't be at home on the switch i i want to play everything on the switch so it would work quite nicely on the switch i think yes you're right rich Oh, we are having technical difficulties with Richard, it would seem. He has uh, muted, and now he's unmuted himself, but he seems to be doing things. He's moving the camera. It's all very action-packed. Live podcasting, people. That's what happens. Sorry, I'm back now. All right. you, you all good, sir? You all good? Yes. Other than the platform, any other questions? No, just an observation. It looks nice. It, it, looks, pretty, doesn't it? Kind of, it um, looks really nice, yeah. Cell-shady sort of look looks pretty yeah yeah kind of it's it's got a distinct enough art style to stand out but it actually it 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 feels like a bit like a nintendo game like it's got that that charm and that whimsy you know it's got that sort of a bit of a disney vibe to it as well um yeah. and that's definitely where they go through with the 2d art on the on the characters when they're doing their dialogue and stuff like that it feels very much like um feel like a old school 2d disney film um yeah, it's just it's just really cool and different, and it and it has a nice attitude to it. It's not like you're a you know gun toting or a sword wielding you know massacre of men. You know, you're just this kid like who's in love with a girl that wants to help her. And, and you know, when you go on this quest to start with, it's very much about I just want to save her. I don't care about the rest of the fucking world. So it's relatable and understandable, you know. And it, and it's yeah, it's really it's compelling stuff. I really enjoyed Masters of Anima. Yeah, you guys should check it out. Obviously, for full reviews, which were done closer to the time I played them, uh, therefore we'll probably have more pertinent details in them and will be recounted when I'm not quite as inebriated as I am now. So might want to check those reviews out. I guess, Richard, hmm. we should talk about the uh, the almost albino elephant in the room. <laughs> yes. Do you want to kick us off? Maybe maybe you can convince me as to why I should keep playing this game because I feel like I've played it before at this point and it's not really grabbing me. Uh, how far have you got without spoiling it? for? Uh, I just met Brock. Okay. That's very early. Okay. You Great. What's More your, of this. What's your experience of God of War? I enough to know i wasn't a fan okay my view is that this <laughs> captures everything good about god of war and gets rid of all the embarrassing stuff so there's no sex i can in see that games. i can see that yeah there's no um sort of shallowness although a lot of people see that as quite a selling point of god of war they like the always on gruff testosterone yeah well, the, the, the gamer gators about do. everything yeah the gamer gators like that yeah yeah um kratos now has far more depth to him as a parent 
he develops his own character. His son develops his character over the course of the game, which I did finish today. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Um, it's definitely worth sticking with. It has all okay. of the cool stuff that you will remember from the God of War games more than you would think that it's got in there from the opening moments. It's quite slow, methodical combat, isn't it? So you've got your axe. There's a bit of a Dark Souls vibe to it where you're waiting mm -hmm. for attacks to happen so you can dodge them and get your opening and circle around enemies. Um, the only the only time so far I felt challenged in combat were the trolls. Okay. What, are you playing on normal? or? Yeah, yeah. It will get more challenging okay. and you'll unlock more types of attack mm, the further mm. you go. And that is massively important. There'll be a big difference in how you play further on um, to how you're playing now because you simply won't have a choice. You need to use everything at your disposal. So um, the boy that's with you, he can fire arrows. Yeah, yeah. Um, What's his he, name? Atreus. Atreus. Atreus, yeah. Yeah, so he can fire arrows. You can sort of develop his attack style by giving him different outfits that prioritize attack, defense, healing. Um, you can develop your own powers by increasing the skills that you've got with your axe or attaching runes to your axe to unleash special attacks like magical powers. And all the while, it's, un it's, it's gradually building your repertoire. There's never anything particularly deep in there. It's all contextual attacks. So it might be pausing before you hit attack rather than doing um, you know, complex sequences of button presses. It's quite simple, but there's enough there to keep it varied and satisfying. And there's quite a spread of enemies to deal with as well, all, all with their different attack patterns and styles. So combat-wise, I found it interesting, and it does mix it up partway through the game as well. I'm not going to go into too much detail because I don't want to spoil something that happens. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's a lot there to like in terms of combat. I really enjoyed it all the way through. And every single battle feels visceral. You can feel the pad just draining batteries every second because of how much it rumbles <laughs> with every punch. And I love that side of it. But the, the real draw is... I think the depth of the world, it's not the biggest open world game ever. It's not a Ubisoft game, but coming from where it's come from with a, a deeply linear uh, series going before it in the God of War franchise, there's a lot to sort of revisit and go back to. That's frustrating for the first few hours. I don't know if you will have found this already, but there's lots of things that you can, that look like you should be able to open them or, travel past or use that you can't do at the moment and you won't be able to for a while but eventually once you get to the proper game and that's when you can choose your side missions and go back to old areas and explore that's mm. where the real game is yeah the the only thing i've had is i went down down a chain and got mm. one hitted and i was like oh guess i shouldn't have gone here yet fair dues there is a bit of that not too much. That doesn't happen all the time. But yeah, there's, there's some odd pacing where it will throw enemies at you that are level six or seven um, when you're like level three or four. And it feels like, well, why did you let me go here if there's no possible way of me doing this? But I suppose that's a Dark Souls thing. Dark Souls did that too. There is a hell of a lot in here that's inspired by Dark Souls. Really? Loads. 
Yeah, I'm not feeling that yet, but okay. There is a lot. So the feeling of safety when you start hearing one of those dwarves. Um, you've only met Brock so far, haven't you? Mm, mm. There's um, he starts popping up all over the place. Um, so like the blacksmiths in Dark Souls, where you can hear them chinking on the anvil, and you think finally somewhere safe. This does that. Um, as I say, a lot of the the attack mechanics feel lifted from Dark Souls. It's very similar. Even the way you smash barrels and crates and carts, it looks visually quite similar to Dark Souls. There's a lot of influence in there, even down to the armor sets and how you can upgrade your armor and choose different loadouts and different sorts of perks within your armor. It's very mm. similar. Um, but I just really love the story. Visually, it's fantastic, but the story really does a brilliant job of selling Kratos as the reluctant parent and his journey to being a responsible adult, not just indulged in his own uh, sort of vendettas and history and having to deal with um, his conscience about things that he's done in the context of having to imbue his son with values that mean something. And he starts to have this realisation that Perhaps the way he's done things isn't the best, and he wants his son to take a different path. It's really, really well written, and um, it's constantly drip feeding this story to you throughout the journey as well. It's not just cutscenes; everything is just I, seamless. I suspect you're going to think my criticism is absolutely fucking insane. Then, go. Um, it just feels like another first-party Sony game to me, um, and by that I mean. It's another Horizon. It's another Uncharted. It's another Last of Us. It's another quasi-photorealistic -re art style, which they are all starting to look the same to me. Um, Horizon, God of War, and Uncharted look far more alike than they have any right to. Um, yeah. And that, that makes it... I like to play games that are different. <laughs> I guess that's one of the things I love about games that I think about. It's why I like people like Tiny Build, like we were talking about earlier, that they have, you know, there's so much variety, so many different directions you can take visuals, and yet, and yet those, those all just look, they all look the same. They all look amazing, but they all look yeah. the same. And it's kind of like the problem with the Marvel movies or the Star Wars movies. It's like, they're great. There's incredible amounts of money on that screen, but where's the creative diversity? You know, yeah, yeah, God of War has good pretty intricate combat depth and mm -hmm. that's what's setting it apart horizon had an incredible open world the last of us has uh, sorry not last of us we'll talk about uncharted has fantastic cinematic storytelling you know um i'm not i'm not there yet with god of war selling me on its story if i see him reach out one more time to age to whatever the fucking son's called and pull his hand back at the last second i will shoot myself it's just like that. this is he's done it three times in the first two hours rich like <laughs> i played this game like you may have forgotten but i've just played them like okay. and, and it's like that is a lazy ass piece of storytelling that enough, that way i, that I promise you that relationship will surprise you. I, I know it will grow on me i know it will i can totally see myself getting pulled in on that and like really caring and 100 like i love nathan drake like you know but for me, you know, it is a really, in a way, superficial problem. But yeah, the fact that they are so whitewashed in their style, perhaps not the best use of words, but you know, in many actual ways, they are all whitewashed. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that 
Hmm, the homogeny of it. I know what you mean. Visually, I did think Look, this is a hell of a lot like um, Horizon Zero Dawn to the point where I thought well, maybe a crossover is <laughs> in the work. That would work. Yeah, that would work. But, yeah, it does look very similar. But I don't think it's fair to say that they are homogenized in the sense that perhaps Ubisoft games are. They are far more interchangeable. And you like Ubisoft games. So the difference between The Division and Far Cry... Ghost you, Recon, and Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed. Yeah. A lot of those have parts lifted directly from each other and cannibalized. This doesn't feel like that. It is completely a different game to the other ones. That you oh, I think that they, you say that, but they must share resources, yeah, because it's first-party studios. Well, they they must. They, they must. They do. Doesn't feel like it. Ubisoft games feel like it. This feels. It just, it just looks and, like it. Yeah, I think visually, yeah, you you have a point. I'm not sure it's a detriment because it looks so incredible. It's mm, probably the mm. best looking thing I've seen. And you won't have seen any of the larger scale stuff yet. If you think no. back to some of the boss battles that were in the original Gears of War games, how amazing they looked on poultry hardware as well, considering by today's standards, some of those huge um, full scale boss battles. Do you mean God of War? In- Sorry, you said Gears of War. Easy to do. Did I? Sorry, God yeah. of War. No, very, very easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as I can understand that. I was just, I was just thinking, well, well, the Brumac. What are we talking about here? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, God of War, you've got those big battles on yeah. the back of gods and whatever. Um, you won't have seen so much of that yet. So it looks great so far as you've seen, but the scale just goes off the chart, and some of the stuff you see is just. It will I mean, I, 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 I am playing on a bog standard, pre-redesign PS4 um on a, only on a 1080p i can only imagine how good it must look um 4k hdr and all that amazing um, amazing and the really amazing thing about this game is that everything impressive that you see is, is all running in engine but not just in engine there are no cuts at all everything seeks smoothly and without any sort of hesitation through cutscenes into action back mm. to cutscenes and sometimes a mix of the two and it feels right and it's not like the old days of resident evil where you might have a bit of a chase scene and you press circle to go through the door or whatever it's not like that it feels like you're actually part of the action um but has that benefit of just looking tip top the best a video game can look today yeah what surprised me was um how complex the combat actually is already at my point i can see where it's going I was like, oh, they so they didn't really shy away from bringing that old sky, old style um, God of War combat into this new look, even though the camera's much tighter, um, you know, and all, and obviously the the fucking, I fucking love that axe, man. Oh my it's god, good. so good the way it comes back to you. Oh, I love that, and I love that. I love that that's used them as as a mechanic, and you summon it back to you manually. I love yes. how you can throw it out there and leave it for puzzles and stuff. And then sometimes you'll go off and you'll f- I forget. Yeah. Oh, fuck my axe. And yeah. I pull it, and, and because I've got a long way away, it takes it takes longer. Yeah. yeah. I love And you just hear it going, dung, 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 dung. And it's like, that's, that's fucking amazing. That's uh, and and how, you, how that all plays into combat and how you can throw it out. And then like you'll go through a guy and then you pull it back and it goes through him again to do more damage. Mm. That's crazy satisfying. And I can't wait to see where like more unlocks come for that and the, the combos for that and stuff like that. I'm really enjoying that. Um, no, it is, it is good. It's very, 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 very good. 
And I obviously need to put a bit more time in and get past my hangups about it just feeling a bit like I've seen it all before. I've had um, the same feeling for the first couple of hours. And I, I completely forgot about it then. Because once you once it's got you, once it's got its hooks into you, forget yeah. about anything. Else is there is like. there a is there a moment that's gonna be like fuck, I can't stop now? Um or is it like a gradual thing, or is it just a or is there a turn that happens where I'm just like, Oh snap, bitches like that, and I, I can't stop. Gradually the more it opens up, the more I liked it. It was frustrating for quite a few hours. I think the first five hours, because there's, um, it makes it clear it is not going to be a linear game, but the first few hours are linear. So it sets up all these things that you know you're going to be able to do later, but right. you can't do yet, and it's frustrating. But once you get to, um, I don't want to say, I don't want to no, say, don't say, don't the, tell the, me, don't the tell first me. proper boss battle. Okay. When you get to the first proper boss battle, you will think, Jesus Christ, I have to finish this game. Okay. And from okay. then in, it's Down. just incredible. Down. Down to clown. I will keep pushing. I mean, it, uh, time permitting and, and stuff like that. I've got a busy few weeks ahead of me. Um, but I, I will keep trying to put a few hours in every every whenever I can uh, around reviews and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it's an impressive change of direction. Um, I'll give them that. Like who'd have thought? You know, five years. You can see you can see the five years on the screen, can't you? Oh yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the the, the kind of testaments to that. Whereas, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you I don't think there. you can see the five years on when you play Sea of Thieves. Put it that way. No, this is this um, is a startling thing because even side missions in this game, they're not the traditional side missions that you expect. Just reusing assets and bumping up playtime. They're properly crafted side missions, mm. like more than you would see in most games and it's just thrown away on a side mission that probably not everyone will play it's honestly astounding stuff okay i will keep going have you done all the side missions then as well what's your level of completion can um, you go back i mean you can go back even after the game you can go back and pick up everything um i am almost 100 percent. there's a there's a few really tough challenges come the end of the game it paces it out really well, so you don't you don't have to do it while you're playing through. You could leave it all to the end if you want, but um, there's quite a lot of post game stuff to catch up on as well. So there's a lot there for your money. Okay, I'm convinced. I will keep on going. I will keep on going. I don't I don't want to fall off of this like I have. Uh, well, like I did say, Hellblade. I, I I'm finding I'm finding the gameplay in this a lot more. Um, compelling than that <laughs> so um, yeah that was a yeah hellblade was a similar game for the first few hours of this at least it feels similar because there's not that much to the combat relatively it does build up over time but hellblade was quite a simple combat structure mm. i enjoyed but it was simple um this has a similar level uh, when it's introduced to you and i didn't think it compared that favorably but once you've got the full repertoire yeah definitely worth sticking with it awesome all right well i will i think uh we're coming to the end of the show i just, I just wanted to mention richard uh next month is e3 <sighs> just, put, just putting it out there brother uh clearly we'll have uh probably the next episode we'll do some uh, 
predictions and stuff and talk about what we're hoping to see at E3. I am already excited. I have my time off work booked so I can do uh, as much coverage as is humanly possible for the website and for, for YouTube channels and whatnot. Uh, excited as always. I think it's going to be an interesting year, Rich. I think because we've got that plus, we've got the X, we've got VR on PlayStation. So where where do they go? What's going to happen this year? Yeah, I know. I don't know about be any any hardware announcements. <sighs> you what you mean is VR on Xbox? Um, I don't think I, there will I be. I don't think there's going to be. I don't think there will be. I think I think Xbox needs to double down hard on games for yes. a start um but I, I i follow um communities and stuff concert game communities or various ones across the internet there's been a lot of super negative stuff around xbox and its lack of games or perceived it's a, lack it's a big problem. um i think the perception is worse than the reality i think that people don't understand how hard it is to make a video game that probably microsoft probably green greenlit a bunch that got canned that you'll never know about scale band is always brought up and it's just like they would have killed it for a reason they killed it because the ambition probably didn't match the reality of where that game was at well, and therefore well, the reality got, is it got though, put in the hole you walk into a store and on playstation you've got god of war you've got shadow of colossus you've got a bunch of stuff well, you, shadow of colossus is a remake no but i mean i mean you, you, Even well, you so, it's uncharted a better, it's a better last of us 2 um i mean i'm really looking forward to state of decay 2 i'm really looking forward to that that's coming out at the end of this month um i really like the first one a lot and um, being able to play that in co-op should be excellent experience i think the idea of basically being able to play the walking dead as a video game you know the idea of a proper zombie um world survival game in in four player co-op you know i'm not fucking talking about daisy mod whatever to, to armor or whatever i'm talking about a proper crafted from the ground up zombie game here that should be that should be a lot of fun i'm looking forward to that um it's still a kind of middle tier game though isn't it and yeah it's double it's double a isn't it? disappointed um yes. we haven't had a proper triple a game since gears 4 which was what two years ago well we're gonna we're surely we're gonna get halo on xbox aren't we i mean we're gonna get a new forza i would have thought announced the rumor is from bethesda uh doom 2 which i am unbelievably excited about um but you know there, there's there's some potential here for some some really you know because we're getting late gen now aren't we we're getting five years into the console they'll be talking about the sixth year ae3 so it's kind of like we're getting to that point where the power will be home the developers will be comfortable that you know the longer cycles the five-year development cycles like we had for god of war yeah. are starting to come to an end you know that we're, we're gonna see things from phil that he would have greenlit um when he first came on which are only now maybe going to be getting finalized i think what we're, we're also seeing in general from sony and microsoft and the other the other guys is that they're reluctant to announce things so far in advance because problems happen so mm -hmm. i think maybe there'll be stuff we get from microsoft and sony at this conference that will be out this year that we have no idea about so um there's i'm lots, excited there's lots of things that have the potential to excite me um i'm interested to see what remedy do if that's a new Alan Wake, I will be very happy. I think that's it. Will not be. <laughs> <laughs> I will bet you right now. I would agree with you. I would fucking love a new Alan Break or a Quantum Break Two. I like you. Think Quantum Break Two is massively underrated as a game. Like that. That is a really good game. Yes, that final boss fight is shit, but the rest of the game is fucking awesome. Um, um, right. 
It was so good, man. It was so good. But no, I would love an Alan Wake too, but I, I just don't think we'll be lucky, that lucky. So with either announce a release date for Crackdown 3 or they announce his cancellation, <laughs> one, <laughs> one or the other. They, can't, they cannot cancel Crackdown 3. I would certainly hope not. Um, I still it's want not, to play that, man. I have such fond memories of the It's not outside the bounds of uh, possibility, though. They really haven't mm. shown enough for me to be confident it, it's a real game. No, me neither. Just a lot of promises and hot air. Um, I sound it's sounding like RDR two is actually going to come out this year. Sorry, Red Dead Redemption. My bad. Yeah. Um, that's it, it's it's really that at this point now, Rockstar is new trailers, same date. I feel like they really fucked themselves hard if they didn't bring it out now in October. So that's sounding like that's actually going to happen, which is pretty yeah. exciting. We're going to um, um, Beyond Good and Evil two. Game tech, I think that started to show. Do we think that's ever going to come out though? Like, that's if it does, surely that's next generation. I don't know. I they've, mean... been, they've been showing gameplay tech now. There's a few videos knocking around. Do you think maybe they were waiting until um, Eve and his lock could confirm that they weren't going to get bought out by Vivendi? Possibly. Yeah, they were. They didn't want to show their hand before that, perhaps. Yeah um and we sense. might we might get a date the thing that always bethesda always excites me because they will announce stuff that will be this year that is confirmed they always they've done that the last two years so i think mm. we we could get something really cool out of bethesda they and they are a bastion for single player experiences it's mm -hmm. all about that now from them um so i'm i'm hyped for that well you know doom 2 for god's sake please announce that and say it's going to be this year i would lose my fucking mind um so that that would get me super excited you know and all x enhanced or ps4 pro enhanced you know it's gonna be beautiful that would be cool mm, we need that's to my... see uh metroid 4 as well we need to see some of that do you, do you reckon i think we might be a bit early on that kind of like shenmue early or final fantasy 7 early yeah um, they've announced it i think it, it's it's probably still going to be some way off but mm. they want to show what it looks like at least we've just seen a logo so far i think it'd be mm. weird for them to just brush over it but they have said actually nintendo are only going to be really talking about stuff that's out this year so maybe not right right fair enough uh anyway we could probably do this next time <laughs> but, but I, we digressed a little there at the end of this podcast it's been very nice timing it just you and me richard like yes. the olden days it's been lovely yeah. Romantic. um but it'll also be nice in a couple of weeks or so time when we get Joel back in as well, telling us about his holiday, I'm sure back his multiple back holidays. From Cybertron. That's that's the one. That's the one. So that's been episode um, 45 of Big Speeds Bits and Bobs. Please head over to iTunes and subscribe. Please head over to our YouTube channel. Like I said, lots of new members on YouTube recently. So hello to all you. If you've um, checking out this podcast for the first time, um, that's really really awesome. I'm more drunk than usual, but hey, don't have that you know all that against me. Um, yeah. So yeah. Get over to the website, bxbgames.co.uk as well. Read Richard's reviews. They are fantastic. And Joel's reviews. He did um, a cool video review of a VR experience. I really like that way of covering VR. Uh, I know it's really difficult to do, so I don't know how he did that, but kudos to Joel. Um, yeah, loads more stuff coming. little bit quiet time of year, I guess, right now. Lots of little games. Not the big releases at the moment, but uh, it's going to, well, yeah, next month. Things will pick up. Trust me. Um also, if you're interested in writing about games or doing videos about games or streams about games, drop me a message on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever. We can have a chat. I can send you some code and you can play some video games and see how it goes. All right. Has it been a fun one, lad? I liked it. Thanks, Good. Dad. No problem. We'll see you next time. Ta-ta. Bye. Bye.